Hi ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at bab.bc.pc at gmail.com. So today, ladies, we are taking a look at Solomon's reign as king of all Israel. But before we look at chapters 3 through 10 of 1 Kings, I want to look back at Deuteronomy 17 verses 14 through 17 at God's directives of Israel's future king. They are number one, to be God's choice. Number two, an Israelite. Solomon was both of those. And then after that, it all goes downhill. Number three, don't multiply horses. Number four, don't cause the people to return to Egypt, especially to multiply horses. They are to no more go that way. Number five, don't have multiple wives because his heart will turn away from the Lord. Number six, don't greatly multiply for yourself silver and gold. Number seven, when he sits on the throne, write down the law in the book. And number eight, the book shall be with the king and he shall read it all the days of his life so that he will stay faithful. Now let's look at verse one of chapter three. Now Solomon made a contract with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter as his wife. This gives us a clue of how things are going to end for Solomon's reign. Thankfully, verse 3 says Solomon loved the Lord and walked in the statutes of David his father. Solomon made an offering to the Lord, and God spoke to him in a dream. And God asked him, What shall I give you? Solomon asked for wisdom. And God said, Because you have asked for this and not for riches, I will grant your request, plus riches and honor. Then comes the if. If you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as your father David did, I will lengthen your days. Solomon's first display of recorded wisdom had to do with sparing the life of a child in that familiar story with the two moms saying that the living child was theirs. So Solomon said, cut the child in half and give half to each woman. And the real mom said, no, don't kill the child. And the other mom said, okay, kill the child, and then we'll each have half. Solomon knew that the one that wanted to spare the child's life was the real mother, and she got the child. In chapter 4, we have a list of Solomon's officials, which include 12 men over the land of Israel. And from this, it seems that since the land had expanded under Solomon's reign, the 12 tribes allotted land had been redistributed. One reason seems to be in order to balance the economic resources within the districts. It also seems that Judah is not mentioned, so it could be they don't have to pay taxes or that it's considered the capital, but it's unsure why Judah is not mentioned. The writer of 1 Kings says in verse 20 that Judah and Israel were many as the sand by the sea. And way back in Genesis 22, God told Abraham his descendants will be as the sand upon the seashore. 
I would recommend, if you have time, to Google a map of King Solomon's reign. It went down to Egypt's border and then up to the Euphrates River and then some of the coast all the way to the Mediterranean Sea and then to the Syrian desert. But Israel was the largest under King Solomon's reign. Solomon also had tons of horses and chariots. And verse 30 of chapter 4 says that Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all men. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 songs. Solomon wrote most of the book of Proverbs, all of Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon in the books of poetry of the Old Testament Bible. Chapters 5 through 7 explain Solomon building the temple. Solomon made a contract with Hiram, a friend of his father, to provide wood for food. Now in the middle of all these directions, a word of the Lord came to Solomon. It interrupts the flow of the building of the temple. And God says in verse 11, chapter 6, Concerning this house which you are building, If you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commandments to walk in them, then will I perform my words to David, and I will dwell among the children of Israel, and will not forsake my people Israel. Solomon built the house, also known as the temple, and he finished it. It took him seven years to complete. Solomon also builds other projects his own house, palace. He builds an administrative complex, which includes the halls of judgment, an armory, two large pillars, and all of the furnishings of the temple. In chapter 8, Solomon assembles all the elders of Israel, the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, so that they would bring up the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle of the congregation, and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle, and the priests and the Levites brought them up. This was during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. Verse 9 says that there was nothing in the ark except the two stone tablets which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And when the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord, so much so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon addressed the people and blessed them. And then he prayed and he raised his hands toward heaven. He starts off, there is no God like you. How can this place contain you? Please listen and accept our prayers. Then he gives specific reasons for prayers to God that are to be given. One, if they sin against a neighbor. Two, if there's a military defeat. Three, if there's a drought. Four, various plagues. Five, a prayer of a foreigner. Six, a military prayer went away. 7. A prayer for exiled people. This makes me think of when Jesus talked about the temple and said, This shall be a house of prayer for all nations. Well, in verse 46, Solomon says, If they sin against you, for there is no man that sins not, 
and you be angry with them and deliver them to the enemy so that they carry them away captives unto the land of the enemy near or far. Yet, if they repent and make supplication and say we have sinned and return unto you with all of their heart and with all of their soul, then hear their prayer and maintain their cause and forgive. Ladies, this is what the rest of Israel's Old Testament history is all about. Solomon then blessed the people again, charged them to walk in obedience so that, verse 60, all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no one else. In chapter 8, the people and Solomon dedicate the temple And then in chapter 9, God appears again to Solomon. And he says, I've heard your prayer and your supplications or your requests that you have made before me. I have hallowed this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And if you walk before me as David, your father did, in integrity of heart, and keep my ways, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom forever. Let me pause there and just say, even though David sinned, and I mean big sins, he still had a heart for God. He repented when he was faced with his sin, and he always turned back to the Lord till the day that he died. Then God says to Solomon, but... If you turn, you and your children, and worship other gods, then I will cut off Israel out of the land that I have given them. And this house, which I have hallowed for my name, will I cast out of my sight. And Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all people. And people will walk by this once tall house and they will be astonished. Why has the Lord done this to the land and this house? And they will say, they will say, because the Israelites forsook the Lord their God and have worshiped and served other gods. Therefore, the Lord brought upon them all this evil. Chapter 9 continues with Solomon's other projects, such as the house for his Egyptian wife. And verse 25 says that three times a year, Solomon went and gave offering, which is probably his celebrating of the three festivals. Solomon was in charge of the trade routes of the land, as well as navy ships, and it brought much, much goods to King Solomon. Chapter 10 tells us of the Queen of Sheba's visit, and she brought riddles and questions, and she was amazed at King Solomon's wisdom and his beautiful kingdom and wealth, and she leaves him tons of spices and other good stuff. The chapter ends describing all of Solomon's wealth, which included horses and chariots brought from Egypt, Plus the kings of Hittites and of the Syrians, they brought goods to Solomon, probably because he ran the trade routes between Egypt and the east, and they needed to have good relationship in order to trade. This strip of land is relatively small, but its influence over the world was huge 
due to its location. Well, as far as Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 17 goes, Solomon did not do a great job. And we will find that this will lead his heart away from God. But I wanted to stop today with Solomon being on top of the world. There are a couple of places in the New Testament where Jesus talks of these passages. In Matthew 12, verse 42, Jesus says, The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation, Jesus's generation, and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, one greater than Solomon is here. Who is greater than Solomon? Jesus. Yet people rejected him. But the queen of Sheba knew who to go to to seek wisdom, and that was Solomon. And she even told Solomon, Blessed be the Lord your God, which delighteth in you to set you on this throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever and made you king to do judgment and justice. She acknowledged the God of Israel, Jesus, who is the author of all wisdom, we have access to through prayer and through the word of God. And when Jesus said those words, Jesus was in their midst. And yet so many people turn their back to this God of wisdom. Then in Matthew six twenty four through 34, Jesus is speaking on the Sermon of the Mount. And he says, we can't serve two masters. Either you love one or you hate the other. And then he says, don't worry about your life, what you eat, drink, about your body, what you wear. Life is more than these things. And then he says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not. They do not spin. In other words, they don't work. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Therefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is here and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So don't worry about the things of this world, for the Gentiles seek these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Today has enough problems of its own. In the beginning, Solomon got it correct. He sought God and his wisdom, and God gave him everything else. In the New Testament book of James, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If you lack wisdom, let's ask God, who gives to all people liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him or her. God cares about what you care about. He knows your needs. What would you say? If God asked you, what can I give you? I confess, I realized I wouldn't ask for wisdom. There are too many things clouding my mind. But I recognize that I need to seek first God's kingdom, not my kingdom. God's righteousness, because I don't have much righteousness on my own. And ladies, when we do that, 
our heart is more at peace. And by the way, that's what the name Solomon means, a man of peace. God cares for you so very much. So ladies, if you hear his voice today, let's not harden our hearts. Instead, let's be women who seek him, who walk in his ways, who pray to him, who ask him, who seek his righteousness. And let's be women who obey. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.